The Secret Prince by Kim Alsup, Chapter 13, Wind Tickling the Water. Sir Andrew said I'd find you here, said Rondouin's mother, stepping onto the balcony. The chickens look happy. You've made them a nice home. She reached into her pocket and pulled out a handful of vegetable scraps and tossed them into the chicken's feed bowl. Agnes always has scraps you can bring to the chickens, she said. Our meals will be in the new kitchen, since all the workers except Agnes will be back in the village by the end of the day. Rondouin smiled as the chickens found their way to the scraps and began pecking at them. It's so funny that they like to eat the scraps that we wouldn't eat, said Rondouin. This one is named Sunrise, he said, pointing to the golden bird, and this one is called Sunset. Sir Andrew told me they had already laid eggs, and that he's bringing them to Ricard's family, said his mother. Yes, said Rondouin. I wanted to send them something. They are kind to give Sir Andrew bed and board. The queen nodded. We will miss Ricard, but I am glad he will be at home helping his family and other families from the village. Now, she continued, we have an important job for you. Your father will soon help Sir Andrew load the boat for the first trip of the day. Sir Andrew will be coming back later today for the people now working on the roof. After you come to the new kitchen for porridge, we need you to look out for Sir Andrew returning to the castle. The sitting room has the best view. Take some bread and cheese, as you will be there for a while. When you see the boat returning, I'm counting on you to tell the people working on the roof that the boat will arrive soon. They must work until the very last moment to finish the repairs. You will find the king with them, and he will want to meet Sir Andrew to learn more about how the people in the village are faring. Yes, mother, said Rondouin. Rondouin sat on the floor, facing out the window of the sitting room. In the distance, he could hear the faint sounds of hammering on the roof. Something is strange, he thought, but he did not know what was different. Then for a few moments, the hammering noise stopped. I know what is strange, he thought. The castle is quiet. Even with the hammering, the castle has become quieter because more than half of the workers have gone back to the village. Rondouin stood and scanned the unusual sea that lay before the castle. In the distance, he saw the forest that blocked the view of the village. Looking closer to the castle, he looked for the tops of small bushes that lined the road, but they could not be seen, for they were underwater. Across the area that should be recently planted fields, puffs of wind rustled up tiny patterns of waves that skidded across the water. I like watching the wind tickling the water, thought Rondouin, smiling. Rondouin picked up his jump rope and remembered he had planned to figure out how to count by sixes. He wished he had a quill and ink to write with and parchment to write on. Maybe I can find something that works as well as a quill and ink and parchment, thought Rondouin. He looked around the room and his eyes settled on the fireplace, which on this warm sunny day lacked a fire. <clears throat> Picking up a piece of charred wood, he looked at the stones that made up the sides of the fireplace. On the right side of the fireplace, a large pale stone looked to be the perfect place to write. Rondouin made an X for each number, and at the end of each row of, of six X's, he inscribed a number. It looked like this. X, 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 six. And then another six X's. Twelve. Another six X's. 
18. And it continued with X's 24, 30, 36, 42, 48, 54, 60. Ranuin then read the numbers again and again until he learned them and could recite them without looking at the marks on the stone. Then he picked up his jump rope and jumped steadily, speaking the numbers from memory all while looking out the window. Randuin again counted by sixes while jumping rope. He did this again and again until he was breathing very hard. After a drink of water, he settled by the window, watching the area where he could usually see the road that came out of the forest. Sir Andrew and the boat full of villagers had approached the village via the same road through the forest that Ronduin had often traveled with Sir Andrew in the cart on the way to school. Only now the road had become a water passage through the trees. When Sir Andrew returned, he would emerge from the forest in an empty boat where the road parted the trees. Ronduin brought a piece of bread and a chunk of cheese to his lookout spot near the windows. He tossed his bread in the air and caught it. Now he tossed it higher, then higher, then higher still. He wondered if he could toss it so high that it touched the ceiling. The next time he threw it, he swung his arm with great force. The bread hit the ceiling. Hooray, said Ronduin excitedly. But then, as the bread plummeted to the floor, in an unexpected location, Ronduin said, Oh, no. He picked the bread up, dusted it off, and took a bite out of it. As he ate, he thought he would like to have something to throw that wasn't part of his meal. As soon as he finished, he opened his mother's sewing box and found some small squares of red velvet. Perfect, he said. Ronduin found a needle and thread and began sewing the squares together. His eyes were on his sewing, so he didn't see Sir Andrew as he emerged from the opening in the trees in the green boat. In fact, since the boat moved more quickly without passengers, Sir Andrew was almost halfway back to the castle when Ronduin finally noticed him. Ronduin was off in a flash. He dropped his sewing, sped out the door, darted around the scaffolding, passed the chicken balcony where he resisted taking a look, turned the corner to the next hallway and began calling out as soon as he could see his father. Father, father, the boat is almost here, he yelled. Chapter 14, The First Fire The workers climbed down from the roof and onto the scaffolding and hiked speedily down the hall, nodding their heads toward the young prince as they passed. Ronduin and his father followed them at a slower pace. Dark clouds coming this way, said the king. The workers told me rain is coming, but they, can think, but they think they can get back to the village before it pours if they don't waste any time. Yesterday, Sir Andrew and I planned that he would sit down with us for a meal before the last trip. I wanted to hear more about the people in, his, in the village and how they are faring. And I wanted Sir Andrew to learn more from Agnes about what everyone did during the last big flood so he could bring this knowledge to the villagers. But now, with more rain coming, there's no time to talk. We must send people back to their homes as fast as we can. When Ronduin and the king reached the new kitchen, the workers were already walking out of the room, carrying bags of vegetables and grains. Goodbye, Prince Ronduin, and fare thee well, said Ellen, a young woman who usually helped cook Agnes in the kitchen. 
May all be well with you and your family, replied Rondouin. I'll go back to the boat to help everyone get settled, said the king. Rondouin, please go back to watching from the sitting room. Let me know when they reach the forest. I pray they get to the trees before the rain. Yes, father, said Rondouin. Do I have time to look at the chickens on my way? Certainly, said his father, but don't stay too long. Rondouin found sunset and sunrise, napping peacefully together in one of the baskets. He noticed that they still had plenty of water. He saw that some food remained in their bowl. Looking up at the sky, he could see dark clouds creeping toward the castle. Rondouin slowly opened the door and stepped into the hallway. He tried to be as quiet as snow falling on a windless day so he would not disturb the chickens. When he got back to the sitting room, Rondouin looked out the window and saw that the rowboat had just come out the big doors. He waved, and for a moment Rondouin was convinced that his wave had not been seen. But now Sir Andrew took both oars in his left hand so he could use his right hand to wave. Now everyone in the boat waved at Rondouin, who continued waving wildly until Sir Andrew grasped an oar in each hand and pulled away from the castle with sure, strong strokes. For a few minutes, the boat traveled over the dirt road that was usually bordered by bushes, but now Sir Andrew veered to the right and headed out across the field in the direction of the road that parted the forest. The farther the boat traveled from the castle, the smaller it seemed to become. Rondouin knew it was silly, but he couldn't stop himself from waving again. Just a small wave, for he was sure that he could no longer be seen by the travelers. He stood at the window with a tear trickling down his cheek as he waved and waved until Sir Andrew and the villagers turned into the channel between the trees and could no longer be seen. Now the rain began, softly at first, and then harder. At least they are almost home and are sheltered by the trees, thought Rondouin, feeling a sudden chill. The door to the living room opened, and just then in walked Rondouin's parents. The boat just now moved into the forest, said Rondouin. The rain waited until they had shelter from the trees. They will be fine, said the queen. They all wore woolen coats and capes that will keep them warm even if they get wet. The king carried a small iron pot with three legs. He set it by the fireplace. Rondouin dug into the wood box for a small log and a pile of twigs. Then he placed on the these he placed on the hearth. The king reached for the tongs that sat by the fire. He used the tongs to reach into the pot and pulled out a hot coal. Reaching in again, he placed two more coals on the twigs. Rondouin balanced one end of a second small log on the twigs and picked up the bellows and began to puff air toward the coals. The coals brightened into glowing redness. Soon the twigs burst into flames. Rondouin's father crouched in front of the fire, took the bellows and gave an occasional puff of air to encourage the flames. When the twigs had become flameless coals and had not yet ignited the logs, the king reached into the firebox and grabbed more twigs, which he carefully laid on the, on the glowing twigs. He poked at the area with a stick from the box, moving the top log until it was in the hottest spot and puffed more air from the bellows. The new twigs burst into flame, and after a few minutes, the upper log was in flame. Rondouin's father added a large log, confident that the fire would now continue to burn. 
Rondouin remembered building a fire with Sir Andrew. He remembered helping cook Agnes with the kitchen fire. He remembered tending fires on his own. But he could not remember ever building a fire with his father, the king. He realized that, except for cook Agnes, all the workers who usually filled wood boxes and built fires and tended fires in the castle had gone home. He realized that he had not known until now that his father was skilled in building a fire. Watching the fire, the first fire he had ever built with his father, Rondouin wondered what other skills his father and mother would show in the weeks ahead.